If you're good at something, never do it for free. Typhoon, y'all know me, and I'm coming up, just wait and see. If you're good at something, never do it for free. But if you're great at something, would you still agree? Typhoon, y'all know me, and I'm coming up, just wait and see. If you're good at something, never do it for free. But if you're great at something, would you still agree? So hey everyone, welcome back to the Kevin and HJ podcast. Today, I have my friend Abu on the podcast. He is an old coworker of mine down in the DMV area, and... This is the founder of the Fantasy Football League that I'm in. So he's going to be joining me as we talk about the breaking news with Kareem Hunt getting released from the Chiefs and all the fallout from from that news. And then also some of the Week 12 games we break down and talk about. And then we also preview some of the Week 13 games as well. So thanks for tuning in and listening. So let's give my friend Abu a call. Hey, Kevin, what's up? Hey, Abu. Thanks for finally coming on to the podcast. I know that I've been really trying to get you on, get you to come on. Uh, I mean, there's been a lot of stuff that's been happening in football, a lot of stuff that's happening in our fantasy league. Obviously, I've been giving you a, a ton of crap this year uh, for all the stuff that we've been talking about and like the trades, the vetoes. We'll talk, we'll get more into that towards the end of the podcast. But there's been some breaking news that just came out probably a couple hours ago now that Kareem Hunt, now TMZ, released this Kareem Hunt video and him pushing this girl. And then the NFL basically put him on this non-exempt list. And then probably 10 minutes after he was put on that list, he ended up getting released by the Kansas City Chiefs. So I just want to get some initial reactions from you about what your thoughts are on all that. Uh, first of all, shocking. Um, like, uh, when the video came out, I knew there will be uh, uh, repercussions. But this fast, um, I know the league has not taken uh, an action. I know this will have to do the investigation. But just to release him, and he's only a second year back. Uh, so he has a lot of talent, uh, as we all know. But just to release him, there, Kansas City Chiefs are definitely making a statement. Uh, the NFL is definitely making a statement. I know, I'm sure, like, quote-unquote, or, like, under the table, NFL had some sort of influence on this release as well. Uh, but first reaction was just shocking. Obviously, we had that chat, but you saw my reaction. I could not believe it. I could not believe it. Yeah, and I, I think one of the – there's so many – different components to all to the this whole situation and like what the NFL's policy is on domestic violence and like just the timing of how this video was released by TMZ and how they acquired the video like I think my first question and my first reaction to all of this was I don't understand how the Chiefs front office management knew about all the stuff that did happen between Kareem Hunt and this supposed incident. And then because of the fallout of the release of the video, he becomes, he becomes released because of that. So they had been sitting on this information since February of this year. So that's a whole nine months. And for now, because the video is released and out in the public, and there's all this public backlash about all the stuff that's happened. Now that if they now they decide to make a decision about this whole thing, and that's kind of like my big gripe with all of this is that the NFL and Kansas City and the Kansas City organization they knew about all the, the incident about this domestic violence incident. No uh, charges were pressed or anything like that, but because video is released now and because of the optics of it, it just looks a thousand times worse. Um, and they've made a re- they've reacted to this situation because of the video being released. Now, what are your thoughts on all that? Because they, it seems like they knew about this incident since February, since it happened. 
Um, so I'm not exactly sure what your thoughts are on it, but I, I'm kind of curious to hear what you think about it. So um, I did see a statement from the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, according to them, obviously, we don't know what the truth is because um, like the video just got released today and all this happened so fast, including him getting released and putting on the no exception list. Um, so the video did get released today, and according to the Kansas City Chiefs, I, I'm just going to like – kind of like short, uh, shorten the statement that said, but they said that he lied to us, um, that Kareem Hunt lied to them about what actually happened, and when the video got released, they made it sound like it was the first time they were actually watching the video. And that's why they made the rational decision to actually let him go, because he, they lied to them, and I, I mean, Kareem Hunt lied to them. Uh, so th- that, was a, that was a statement from the Kansas City Chiefs. So obviously, mm-hmm. we, don't, so obviously we don't know if, uh, like how, much of, how much truth is in that, and Obviously, this this video got leaked to TMZ, um, and uh, like just again, like it's mainly the, the the fear of the backlash with how everything is right now on social media, and like recently with the Me Too movement, and like and like women um, and like women uh, empowerment. It's like they definitely knew they had to make a statement, um, and, uh, and and I'm sure we'll get into this too. But like when we were talking about oh who will who will claim him or really playing this year and all that stuff. I don't think he plays this year. I don't think he plays next year either. Like, he will get signed by somebody, but I don't think he plays the, the uh, remaining of this year or the next year just because how things are right now and just because there is a video out of this. Like, I know Ty- uh, Tyreek Hill recently got uh, uh, accused uh, this, uh, earlier this year. Uh, I think last week it was uh, Ruben Foster also got accused of uh, domestic violence. Uh, but I think just because there was a video out that definitely – change things um mm-hmm. and like uh, like and like we can go uh, uh further back so i think uh, another video that was released that everybody thinks about especially uh, uh domestic violence it's uh it's uh, uh ray rice's i know ray rice was a, a lot later in his career he was towards the end of his career uh but like i think just ha- just because having a video will definitely have an impact on his career and how nfl is going to approach this uh, this whole situation, this whole investigation. Like, I'm 100% positive. NFL did the investigation in February, but they weren't expecting the video to get released. That yeah, is my and, deal. Yeah, and I think this, I'm, it's all about, like, when this video was actually seen by NFL officials, and if they still made the decision to not act on on suspending Kareem Hunt because of this, whether it be one, two, three, whole season, whatever it is, they, I think that's my big concern about the NFL and their whole image thing is that they, they seem so out of touch with um, what's going on with this nation, with the Me Too movement and all the things that are really important to a lot of people in this country. And they, it seems like they have this image problem right now of trying to govern what's okay and what's not okay. And because there is video in this instance, and then there's video, there's no video evidence in other instances, it makes it harder to see what actually happens in like, let's say a Tyreek Hill incident where he was actually, where he actually pled guilty to domestic violence and all of those charges that were put up against him. And if there was video of that incident, I totally doubt this is how Kansas city, Kansas city would keep him on their team. Um, And it seems like, what Kansas City is saying from their statement is that because Kareem Hunt lied about the incident or he was untruthful about him reporting what actually happened during the incident, that's why that's what released him. But regardless of if it was true or not, whether he was telling the truth or whether he lied about the incident, the fact that he put his hands on a woman, pushed her down, or did all that type of stuff, kicked her, um, did all that type of stuff, that's wrong in itself. And yeah. that's, like, a big thing for me when when evaluating a situation like this is that that, that stuff should never happen, ever. And if 100%, something like 100%. 100%. I am with you. 
Right. And if something like that does happen, then there needs to be action met towards it. And I mean, there's a lot of like other stuff that's going on within the within the reporting of this incident where supposedly the woman that was actually that actually was pushed was asked to leave his room. And then when he when when he asked her to leave, she yelled the N word towards him and that caused him to get riled up and and caused him to basically push her and kick her and do that. And obviously that's not the right reaction to that. But on the other hand of things, I'm trying to give some context and color as to why maybe he acted out in this way, not to excuse his behavior, but why he might have reacted in a way where you're just like, oh, wow, why is this guy pushing this woman? There's, and I, I, I believe that a lot of the time, there's more to the story than than stuff actually happens, than what's being shown on camera. And I think that's what's really hard to depict. And let's say if she did say the N-word multiple times to this guy, does, this, does that change the narrative of what actually happens? I think that's what's really hard to determine because if I, I've, seen, I've seen cases where people have been have yelled been yelled at with racially racial taunts and things like that and then with stuff like that people have i've seen people get physical over things like that now is that the right reaction probably not and it it should never happen like that where a man puts him puts his hands on a woman um but it's just like it's kind of like it's kind of crazy that something like that happens where she does yell that he pushes her. And then from all that, this is the fallout of it. And it's just like an unfortunate situation the whole way around because he was a, he was a very talented player. He is. He is. He uh, definitely is. And I think, um, um, uh, uh, like you said, whether the, Edinburgh was said or not, like physical abuse is definitely not the answer. But I do feel like, uh, obviously, uh, from what the video made it seem like, his entourage was there. Uh, there were other girls there, so it seems like they were having a party. Uh, so alcohol was, was definitely involved. And um, not to like excuse his behavior, but like maybe just like giving like insight to what led to his actions. Being called the N word, uh, he was provoked. And being under the influence, things could have, you know, just happened out of control so fast. Uh, and like, uh, and like, yes, he is a talented behavior, uh, uh, a really talented player. But like, just like going back to like this overall situation, uh, like you said earlier, like why did the Kansas City release him? Like, is it they released him because they lied to him, or they uh, they released him because he wasn't truth, like, uh, or like they released him because. Um, he he put his hands on a on a girl, so I yeah. feel like yeah, so like that's like really like like that that's really the question part. Because there isn't like I know NFL is trying really hard to have a policy, but like when Zeke Elliott, I mean not trying to bring him in, into this, but when he gets suspended without a video or like without even a, a like a charge filed against him, and when Tyreek and he gets six games, but Tyreek Hill he gets. I don't think Tyreek Hill was even suspended, or or, or was he? Uh, I thought he pleaded guilty. Yeah, because I think he pleaded guilty, and this was before he actually entered the league, and this was while he was in college at Oklahoma okay. State, things like yeah. that. So there was no, yeah. there was no, I guess, recourse or repercussions that the NFL set for him. But it just kind of colors this double standard as to like, or not even a double standard, but there's just no standard at all that's being set because it's very arbitrary and case by case what the NFL is doing and looking at each individual situation. And this is, I don't know what this, what the NFL's response is to all this because I don't know what they're trying to say. It's like, if there's no video evidence of an incident happening, then you're basically less likely to get suspended over it or less 
likely to lose money over it in comparison to if you're at a hotel or if you're being filmed or if you're being watched, any of those things, then then you better watch out. And from my point of view, Kareem Hunt has to be like all the guys that were his friends in that video. It seemed like they were trying to hold him back, trying to prevent him from making a stupid mistake, which I commend his friends from doing. But you kind of have to think as a professional athlete getting himself into a situation like that. He has to have his emotions in check. Um, he has to he has to be in control of his emotions better. And even though he's a professional athlete and he gets harassed a lot and gets talked a lot to, and maybe um, I don't know a lot of trash talk happens between like him and normal people, he has to understand that he's always being watched. Yeah, and and like um, not to, again like not like we're not excusing his actions at all and all this stuff, but. He is young. Uh, he's, I think he's only 22, 23, so he's really young. So, and like, but it's just, the spotlight is on him constantly, 24-7. And I do commend it, but they really tried hard to keep him away from the situation, take him away from the situation. But I do feel like he was uh, uh, definitely uh, under the influence of alcohol uh, or not, or, not even, or like the girl must have said something extremely, uh, extremely hurtful that really like uh, provoked him. Uh, because like multiple people were kind of holding back, and uh, again, like now, and I excuse me, this situation. I think like the whole, like the whole debacle was like, could have been avoided, should have been avoided. Uh, but now, like he's a really young, talented guy, and like hopefully he doesn't fall in the Ray Rice happen again, where he never gets sent to play again. But that don't think is going to happen because uh, uh, you know, uh, like people are forgetful in the day. You know things. Uh, and when he gets suspended, people will uh, out the future because he's so young. Uh, but again, like um, the whole situation, I think uh, should have been avoided. Could, uh, could have been avoided. Uh, I, I do believe that the the Kansas City Chiefs should have taken action earlier. Because um, I am this because when, when or even the NFL because when they do the investigation, I'm sure they came across the video. I think they were just banking on the video not being released, uh, and which certainly changed the circumstances. Because how fast have these things happened it's like they like they had already had a lot of information on this uh and then and they knew they had to make a statement now yeah and i mean i definitely agree with you but i think it's just like there's so many of these like incidents that have happened like you mentioned the reuben foster thing and then doug williams kind of having to apologize um who's a executive for the Redskins who commented and said basically this was small potatoes in quotes saying that it wasn't that big of a deal with domestic violence and he had to apologize for that and there there's just so many incidents around the league and where people kind of excuse some type of behavior but then make a stance in other type of behavior and I think the line that's being clearly demarcated right now is if there's video evidence or photo evidence or anything like that of you doing something like this like domestic violence then you will get punished but if there if it's a little bit more hazy because of that and it's just accusations you're not going to get as punished but who knows because Zeke Elliott got punished without video evidence so there's just like a lot of gray area in terms of where to go about this. And I think it like the way the NFL handles it is wrong in, in that they don't have a consistent way of handling this thing. But I think in terms of taking a step outside of like the NFL and sports in general, this is what's happening with our na- nation as a whole and within our culture in that they're, people are trying to figure out what's the right response to going about doing this. When is it okay when people can get a second chance? What like, and I think that's where it's really hard to differentiate and try to decipher what's right and what's wrong because of how gray, how much gray area there is in deciphering what's better in quotes and what's worse, where it should be probably possibly labeled where, all these incidents should not be acceptable at all, regardless if 
a push is worse than so actually someone hitting someone. So it's it's very difficult to decipher. But I mean, I like I think it's a really interesting um, story to monitor. Obviously, this is probably going to be one of the big headlines uh, throughout the weekend, seeing. Uh, what the fallout is for Kareem Hunt and whether or not he's going to be able to get signed and play this year and or if he gets suspended or if he ends up playing even next year. So I'm very curious as to, as to see which team ends up signing this player, um, signing Kareem Hunt, and what, got, what team is willing to take a chance on him because of all the media and the negative uh, backlash that they might receive. Yeah, and I think we talked about this earlier uh, uh, in our chat. Uh, I think, again, this is just my personal opinion, I don't think any, uh, obviously the Chiefs uh, released him and then uh, other teams can claim him off of waivers. Uh, but, like, I don't think any any team that is contending for playoffs will want that negative attention at this time. So I think, I think what, still, still about 18 teams that we totally have are still uh, contending for playoffs. Uh, so I don't think those eight teams would definitely take a like will even consider taking a chance on this. I know there are a lot of teams out there who still near run, like who love their running back. Uh, I, I'm sure Eagles uh, 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 they had uh, they lost a few running backs for injuries. Uh, just name one of them. Uh, but like even the Redskins um, uh, lost their running back uh, earlier in the year, and Aiden Peterson obviously is towards the end of his career. Uh, so like there are definitely teams who definitely need a running back, but I don't think he gets signed this year. I think he is definitely. Um, done for this year uh, uh, including playoffs um, obviously and I think if some, if a team does take a chance on him uh, it will be next year uh, but I think the league does also suspend him uh, for I would say if, if Zeke Elliott uh, we talked about this earlier like uh, if he got six games without any proof like is it going to be six games for Cream Hunt is it going to be more uh, so the league will definitely take some actions and it, again, like you said it will be uh, definitely sorted track with, uh, with next month to come or, oh, yeah two months yeah, I think it's going to be interesting to see which team signs him and if there is actually a team that ends up signing him because of all the things that ended up happening after uh, the Ray Rice stuff. He wasn't even able to get a, receive a workout, things like that. So moving on from all of this and actually talking about the product that's been on the field, why don't we talk about last week's games? Um, it started from all the Thanksgiving Day games from last week and then um, all the Sunday games were there. I mean, there are a couple games that I did want to talk about. And then I, I mean, there's a couple things that I did want to talk about, but were there any games that caught your eye? Were there any teams that caught your eye? Any storylines coming out from last weekend that might've caught your eye? Um, one of my favorite storylines, uh, but, uh, the Cleveland Browns. They are, um, I, don't, they, they'll, I don't think they'll make the playoffs, but they're looking good. I think they have won uh, three of the last four games, I believe. Uh, or, mm-hmm. And um, they have this uh, swagger or like this, like, kind of like uh, this, like, this, like now, like they have, like not, now they have the identity, they have a leader now, uh, which they are rallying behind. So, yeah, I would definitely love to get into Cleveland. I think they are, uh, they're doing a, a great thing. Um, and then uh, obviously we can also get into the uh, the last night game of uh the Cowboys versus the Saints. Like, what a shocker that was. Yeah. So, even – so, first time out that Cleveland game, I mean, I think everyone talked about how um, – I think it was Demarius Randall who made that pick and then kind of gave gave that – gave his interception to um, Hugh Jackson, who ended up being hired by Cincinnati after he got fired from Cleveland um, from his head coaching role with Cleveland this year. And then everyone made that huge post-game um, scene where him and Baker ended up meeting up on the field and Baker kind of like did not look interested in shaking his hand or even interacting with Hugh. And it was kind of like this awkward, Hugh goes in for a hug and Baker's like, yo, what are you doing right now? You're, on, you're, you're the enemy. So it was it was fairly fascinating seeing that, but Baker looked really solid in terms of him being able to throw the ball within that offense and it being revamped because of him them depart making a departure from the Hugh Jackson offense, and they've looked a lot better since Hugh has left. Plus, I think 
a lot of it was they were able to jump on Cleveland or Cincinnati pretty early on in the game. And Andy Dalton's out for the year now. Jeff Driscoll ends up coming in. So there's just a lot of stuff that ended up turning out right for Cleveland. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs this year or anything like that. But Cleveland fans have to be happy about what's what's transpiring in Cleveland, um, especially since what ended up happening in the past two seasons. Yes, uh, 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 definitely not saying that Cincinnati is at their best right now, obviously with uh, with industry Andy Dawson and AJ Green. But just to actually just have like a winning state of mind, I think that's changing a lot about our perception of Cleveland. Um, I think over the next couple of weeks, just talking about Super Cleveland, um, uh, like we will see actually their potential going forward. Uh, like Baker has been playing great. I think he has uh, 17 touchdowns, only seven interceptions uh, in nine games, um, which which is still pretty solid. Obviously, when he will make mistakes here and there, but just have that winning mentality. Like people are willing to give them a chance now. Uh, over the next couple of weeks, I think they face uh, Houston this week. I think they have the uh, Panthers next week. Uh, so. Uh, uh, like we will definitely see what this Cleveland team is uh, uh, made of, but they have, but they're young, they're talented, and like with a leader like Baker, I think I think he was a great leader in college. Um, like um, he is the type of guy you want on your team, but you hate playing against him just because he talks so much trash, just because how cocky he is. But like I think Cleveland definitely has found their leader uh, for the upcoming future. Yeah, yeah. I think I yep. I totally agree with that. So I did want to say in that NFC North division and talk about Baltimore for a little bit with Lamar Jackson coming in, coming into the fold, him winning his past two starts. Um, he's been running around really well. Uh, they beat the Raiders 34-17 this past weekend. Gus, Gus Edwards, who's a Rutgers product, came, is coming out of nowhere, which is kind of crazy and basically energizing a lot of these fantasy teams trying to make a playoff push. But I think the question about whether or not Joe Flacco ends up retaking his starting position this week is going to be a fascinating storyline and trying to see what John Harbaugh ends up doing in terms of balancing, okay, we need to go for the playoffs or or are we trying to develop Lamar Jackson's skills? I think just because they have been winning the Lamar Jackson, I think their game plan is solely focused around his – like uh like where he's uh like his his strong part. So I don't think uh, this is again my first thing. I don't think Joe Flacco takes the field again this year um, as a starter uh, unless prone um, to injuries um um uh, like uh, pending on injuries because um Baltimore Ravens have been playing really well under uh, uh Lamar Jackson again he built he brings a whole different uh kind of weapon uh, to their offense. I believe the first week he played, I think he had, which was two weeks ago, I'm pretty sure he had over 100 yards rushing. And I think they only attempted to uh, throw the ball um, maybe less than 10, maybe close to 10 to 15 times. Uh, so I think uh, I think Lamar Jackson definitely takes, uh, um, like, stays a starter. Obviously, uh, this is a throwing league, and so and defenses will come up with a plan to stop his uh, run game going forward. Uh, but I think Joe Flacco's time in 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 uh, Baltimore is done. Uh, had Joe Flacco been performing uh, out of his mind, and he was uh, playing pretty good. I don't know how this started, but I know this started pretty hot. I want to maybe three and one or a two and one. Uh, but like uh, they did start really strong. And Joe Flacco was playing really well. Uh, but then like defenses figure out your scheme so fast. And I think with Lamar Jackson, what he brings to the table and like the uh, mobility. Uh, he is definitely hard to stop, and I think he will remain uh, the starter uh, for the remaining of the year. I don't know uh, if they make the playoffs. I know they're in good contention right now. They have they have Atlanta coming up this week, and uh, uh, Chiefs two weeks from now. Uh, but uh, like we'll see how it plays out. But um, I think Lamar, with Lamar Jackson, that offense is a lot more exciting to watch. Um, and and if uh, if they're and if they manage to win, maybe like next two. Of their remaining games, or like three of their remaining games, I think uh, Jim Harbaugh also comes back. I think that, that would not have been the case had they um, had they lost their uh, remaining games. Yeah, I, I mean, my question about like Lamar Jackson is: is this actually sustainable? Like, is the offense that they're running around 
running around him sustainable to the point where defenses won't be able to scheme around him and basically force him to throw the ball. Um, and I'm not exactly sure yet. I think the jury's still out on whether Lamar Jackson can actually throw the ball again in NFL in the NFL offense um, and be able to move his team down the field, even though that they've been they've won the last two games. I'm not exactly sure if um, this run right now is going to be sustainable with Lamar Jackson. Um, I think he eventually can get there, but I think eventually these defenses are, can scheme around um, around his weaknesses and making him throw the ball um, and containing him, um, containing his running style of offense. So I, I'm a little bit more skeptical as to what, Lamar Jackson can actually bring to the table this year for the Ravens and I think this is going to be a huge question for whether or not the Ravens end up moving on from Joe Flacco and I think Joe Flacco is actually going to end up getting his chance again this year um, to bring Baltimore to the playoffs and I think I mean that's my opinion personally even though um, Lamar Jackson ended up winning his past two starts. Yeah, uh, and uh, I think um, one of the main differences the past two weeks have been, like obviously, like you said, uh, uh, the one again, not uh, not only uh, Lamar Jackson's uh, mobility, but the emergence of Gus Edwards. I think the last two weeks they've averaged over two fifty. Uh, yeah, uh, running. Uh, yeah, uh, like two hundred fifty yards solely just running on the ground. Uh, so mm-hmm. I think uh, uh, when they face off a team that actually has a good run defense, and I know Atlanta has. So many injuries uh, on their defense. I don't think uh, I don't think Atlanta beats them this week. I think Baltimore just runs all over them. Uh, but um, uh, but like again, yeah, like uh, like I said, like it just depends on if a defense can come up with a plan to stop the running. Uh, but like so far, like if they keep averaging two, like if they keep running the ball, keep the other team's offense off the field, and make it a low scoring game uh, in twenties, I think Baltimore likes their chance with the defense they have. Uh, like I would, I believe, Charles Suggs and uh, um, and Eric Weddle and all those guys both playing uh, really good uh, defense. So before I, I mean to move on, before I get to that Saints um, Cowboys game that we witnessed yesterday and that shocking result, I did want to talk about two games fairly quickly. That um, that Panthers that Panthers Seahawks game was extremely interesting to watch because of the implications that it has has for the NFC playoff race um, with, with Seattle being able to come back and Russell Wilson rallying the Seahawks into winning 30 to 27. I found that game fairly fascinating because the Panthers started off six and two and they've lost three straight games now. And I wonder how they end up responding in the, in this last stretch of games in these last five weeks or so. So I'm, I'm kind of interested to see how Cam responds and what they end up doing during the stretch run. And Seattle has on the other side of the ball, Seattle's kind of looked pretty frisky, especially with, Russell Wilson leading the way and it's really fascinating that he's been able to lead this team to a six and five record especially with the talent on that team it doesn't seem like they're not that fearsome um, lesion of boom that they have in terms of that defense leading them anymore it's it seems like this is a Russell Wilson led team leading the offense and basically kind of willing this team um, into playoff contention. Yeah. And like, uh, I think Russell Wilson um, uh, is like the MVP of the team. Obviously I, I think everybody knows that. And he's been playing out of his mind. The, uh, the run game, I know the run game for Seattle has been there in the past few weeks, but it wasn't there from the start. Uh, but uh, he has been carrying them from the start of this year. Um, that game, the last week game, Seattle versus the, uh, uh, the Panthers were actually really exciting. Uh, but um, uh, I think uh, like it could have gone either way. Um, I know the Panthers have lost uh, uh, th- uh, last three other games, uh, but uh, I do think Cam has been performing a lot better this year uh, than he has over the last uh, two years, maybe even since his uh, Super Bowl run a few years back. Um, 
So just like, uh, like personally, in my opinion, I, I think uh, it will be really close on who makes the playoffs. Uh, uh, Seattle's schedule, I know they play uh, San Francisco twice, and the other two games are against Minnesota and I believe the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, and then uh, I think Tam plays um, uh, Tampa Bay this week, uh, Cleveland, which will, be, uh, which will be a good game. And then uh, I, I do know they have New Orleans and Atlanta on the schedule. And, you know, division games are always hard, uh, especially in the NFC South. Uh, so I think it will definitely be a close battle. I am afraid to say who makes the playoffs out of between these two. Uh, but if I had to pick one, I will definitely say um, I, I would definitely say the Panthers just because of talent. I, I believe the Panthers do have more talent overall on their team. Uh, I know they have last. Uh, 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 I know they have lost uh, the last few of their games, but I do think the Pan- I just, If I had to pick, uh, even though uh, Seattle does face um, uh, San Francisco twice in these last four games. I will pick the Panthers to make the playoffs. Yeah, I think it's going to be fairly uh, fascinating to see how the NFL or the NFC playoff race ends up shaking out and seeing which teams end up uh, moving forward out of that wild card spot. And keeping it in that NFC um, NFC playoff race, your Packers, man, what ended up happening? Like, what's going on with them this year? Because, because the Vikings ended up beating them 24-17. And my question is, like, I think there is a lot of reports this week about whether or not Aaron Rodgers is overrated, whether or not he's actually, a, like, one of – like, obviously we know he he's a really talented quarterback and all the talent that he has, but it seems like – they haven't been able to put it together. Is it a product of Mike McCarthy's offense um, that is putting Rodgers in, in these tough situations? Is it um, partly the play calling? Is it the Packers defense that's not helping Rodgers succeed? Or is it a little bit on Rodgers himself that's kind of like struggling this year where he hasn't been able to put it together? I, I, I'm not exactly sure where to put the blame on this team, but the Packers are sitting at four, six, and one this year, and everyone expected Rodgers to be this like this savior of a player that was, especially with after that Week One game against Chicago and him making that miraculous comeback on like that injured knee. It hasn't turned out well for them this year. So, as a Packers fan. And as a Aaron Rodgers fan, what do you diagnose this situation situation for me? So my opinion may be biased, but I don't I, I don't think Aaron Rodgers is overrated. <laughs> but uh, but uh, <laughs> I don't biased. either. Uh, but uh, but I do think it's um, I think it's a little bit of everything. I don't um, uh, like I think week one I think he really hurt his leg bad and he hasn't been truly himself. Uh, but just just because, just the offense has been extremely inconsistent. Uh, like I know, like they finally found a running game. I think after maybe four or five years, and you're gonna know this the best since you have Aaron Jones in fantasy. Like he is a great running back. Aaron Jones is a fantastic running back, and I think um, like now they can go around him more. Uh, like starting next year, but this this year, I think it's been a little bit of everything. I think I think we de- I think we definitely need a coaching change. Um, like uh, Mike McCarthy has been great, but the league has changed, and I don't think his play calling has, or his, um, or how he runs his offense, or even just the just the whole coaching system where how they run the defense. Like now, get, with sorry, before you but, uh, continue on, does he get fired yeah. by the end of the yeah. year? Yes, it, uh, Mike McCarthy is gone, hundred percent. Like okay, so, so okay. as a pack, as a Packers fan, who would you want to replace him? Like honestly, like somebody who actually brings up. I don't. I don't have a preference and all that stuff, and, and like in coaches, but it's just because how fast the league is changing. Like Sean McVay, uh, 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 Sean McVay changed the league. Like he took the Rams from a complete that nobody thought coming last year to one of the most explosive teams in the league in a matter of two years. Uh, so it's about like how you use your weapons and like. And like, like even before this year, or maybe ne- or like even last year, when we looked at the Rams uh, roster, I know Todd Gurley stands out, but there were a lot of questions about Jared Goff. There are a lot of questions about 
uh, their receiving cores. I mean, like Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, Brandon Cooks, they are great. They, uh, like they're a great tandem. But like, but like they, they don't stand out as as like top ten receivers or like um, maybe maybe Brandon Cooks cracks top fifteen. Uh, but like 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 they don't have like a Julio Jones or Odell Beckham or like Antonio Brown, that diva receiver in in uh, in in the uh, uh, Los Angeles Rams. So I think like uh, like like for example, even compared to Devontae Adams, I think Devontae Adams is a really talented wide receiver. So I, I think somebody that actually um, that actually takes this offense and turns it around like into a high explosive um, offense. Like for, for example, with Aaron Rodgers, you can have a really explosive offense with the, with the throws he can make. Uh, like uh, he is just as uh, like uh, like Patrick like, like it's like if you put Aaron Rodgers in the Kansas City Chiefs or the Rams, like just imagine how how amazing their offenses will be. Like right, with, right, yeah, and I so think it's, it's ultimately like a marriage of like the scheme, the fit with the right quarterback, and I'm I would be interested to see what ends up happening with the who, head coaching position. I mean, for me, it would be uh, fair. I think it for me it would be fairly interesting to hear maybe Josh McDaniels go over to go over to Green Bay and see what he can do uh, with Aaron Rodgers because of what the the work he's done with Tom Brady in that New England offense and kind of predicated it more on this tempo offense and kind of a lot more of the short passing game. Um, and how he would change his offensive philosophy now that he had probably a more superior thrower of the ball down the field and how he would change his offense um, if he had Aaron Rodgers in it. I think – Yeah, yeah. and yeah. I'm, like, not trying to excuse Aaron Rodgers' performance. Like, like, he has been holding the ball longer this year than he has in the past. I think he gets average sacks maybe four to five times a week. Um, uh, Per week, so like, so obviously his performance hasn't been up uh, to par what we're used to. But I, I also think like, um, with with the Packers, it's like if Aaron Rodgers is great, the Packers is great. But if if, if Aaron Rodgers is not good, the Packers are not winning. Uh, like they have never. I think their defense hasn't been able to establish themselves in in, in years. Uh, they have they have had talented players come in like Clay Matthews, Clay Matthews, but he's been there for a while. Um, like they just uh, traded Hall Hawkland Nix this past uh, trading deadline, which I had no idea why they did that because he's a really good young safety. Um, so like I really, I, like honestly, I really don't know uh, where they go, but I, I know they have invested in the defense uh, with uh, Jahir uh, Jahir Alexander, I believe this uh, this past draft. Uh, but again, like a lot of changes have to be made uh, to that defense. Where if Aaron Rodgers is having a bad night or is having an off night. Their defense can, uh, uh, like, bring them back. Obviously, Aaron Rodgers is clutch, uh, but it just, uh, it just uh, sometimes even he gets a chance to rely on on, on somebody else. Right. So I think that's going to be something to monitor as the playoff picture ends up solidifying itself and seeing whether or not um, Green Bay can win. Now it's it's looking more and more unlikely that they're going to make the playoffs, and it's going to it seems like they're going to miss it um, for this year and see how they regroup for next year. So moving on to, I think one of the most fascinating games that we've watched this year was last night's Thursday night game for week 13, the Saints Cowboys game. I found that game to be fascinating. I missed a bunch of the game because I was in class, but I ended up catching up watching the highlights this morning. I found it fascinating. The Saints weren't able to get anything going. They weren't able to move the ball. Drew Brees looked like a shell of himself. I, I was very confused as to why Drew Brees wasn't able to complete passes against this defense. And granted, this defense has gotten better and it looked a lot better. But Drew Brees did not look like this MVP candidate that we've come to know over the past 11 games before this game. Um, what, what are your general thoughts and reactions coming off of this game and what you think about uh, the Cowboys and the whole NFC East picture? So I, I think overall last night, uh, probably a great game plan that fell into the right place um, uh, for the Cowboys. Um, so um, you say you missed the um, 
you missed a little bit of the game. Uh, so the um, so the Saints are are known for you know like shooting like a cannon, you know, like just getting a fast start, scoring early. The Cowboys controlled the first quarter for I think maybe eleven or twelve minutes. They ran the ball, they uh, they uh, controlled the clock, and uh, which is the I think which is how you beat the Saints or like any high explosive team. You don't let them get it, get into the rhythm. Uh, I think the first drive, not not getting the details, the first uh, the first drive, a Cowboys held the ball for maybe six minutes. Uh, and scored a field goal, and then uh, Drew Brees came out, threw the ball three times, and it was a three and out. That's it. And then, so it's like, uh, so I think what they did was they didn't let them get, like, in their strides. And I think Saints only racked up maybe 60 yards in the first half. Like, they're used to having 60 yards, like, on a drive. <laughs> so I think you, um, their defense did not miss any tackles in the open field. Uh, which was uh, which was mainly uh, to the linebackers. I think uh, I can't remember the names, but number fifty four, number fifty five on the Cowboys. Uh, uh, Van Der Esch, Leighton Van Der Esch, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think uh, uh, Leighton Van Der Esch, and maybe I think it was Jalen Williams, or I think it was or Jalen, Jalen Smith. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They played fantastic. They did not miss any tackles in the open field, and I think, uh, and that's mainly regarding a wide they were of covering Kamara and uh, Mark Ingram. Because the Saints really get that edge from their from their running game. Uh, it's like uh, ground and pound. They can throw the ball with Kamara. Uh, but like uh, I think the defensive plan for the Cowboys was great. Uh, their their offense did just enough to win. They almost gave the game away uh, towards the end. Uh, but they're again like even going back to like what we talked about earlier with the Packers. Like they like, like their defense came through, but their quarterback didn't. But their offense didn't. Uh, I think it was a fantastic uh, plan. Uh, obviously, I don't think the Saints uh, stay like this. They will bounce back. They're a great team with a lot of weapons and with and with the great coaching. Uh, 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 I think Champagne is, Champagne is a great coach. Uh, but, like, last night was just a shocker. I, was, I don't think even the Saints knew they would get, like, even shut out in the first half and score only 10 points. The final score was 30 to 10. Uh, yeah, I, I couldn't believe it. And Drew Brees only threw for 128 yards during that game. It it was just like pretty shocking to see the Saints being grounded um, and not having this amazing air attack that we've come to see of them this whole season. So I'm I'm wondering whether or not they're able to get it back next week. But I think the game that catches my eye this week, especially talking about the NFC East with Dallas um, winning this game, this Redskins-Eagles game on Monday night this week is going to be fairly interesting to see which one of these teams ends up seizing, um, I I guess, challenging the Cowboys for the rest of the season. It seems like the Eagles need to win this game to have any shot of basically defending their their crown as the NFL uh, Super Bowl champions because if they end up losing this game to the Redskins, they're at 5-7, and seven and it looks like they won't make the playoffs. So it seems like they have to win out uh, for the rest of the year to even have a shot at making the playoffs at 10-6. and six. Maybe 9-7 and seven makes it, but uh, just to be safe, winning out would be really great for them. And it starts this week against – the Redskins and the Redskins obviously have had a lot of um, a lot of struggles with uh, really being able to set up an offense around uh, Colt McCoy. I mean that Alex Smith injury was devastating. Um, a lot of those DMV. I'm sure you guys are feeling it down in the DMV, but a lot of people seem like they got depressed as soon as Alex Smith broke his leg. Um, but yeah. Like, I, um, yeah, sorry. Before before I, before you jump in, I think I mean I think the Eagles take this one this week, and I wouldn't be surprised if they start making this like late playoff push, even though they have a couple tough games left. Yeah, so it's like uh, I think like everyone is just waiting for the Eagles to catch their stride and like you know get back into the form as they were last year. Uh, these next two weeks are going to be crucial uh, for the uh, for the Eagles. Uh, they are facing the rest of this week. The next week, they actually face the Cowboys. Uh, so, like, uh, the playoff picture in the East, I think, in the next two weeks will definitely get a lot more clearer. Um, uh, like, or or even get, or if uh, Eagles win out these next two games, it will get more even more confusing. Uh, but uh, I do think the Eagles do win this uh, this week at home. Uh, it is a must win. Um, uh, 
the the offense has not performed uh, to their uh, uh, like up to par. Uh, the I'm talking about the Philadelphia Eagles offense. Uh, it has not performed the past two weeks, but I do, I do think that changes this this Monday night uh, against the Redskins. Um, and yeah, I think just uh, I think with with Alex Smith going down, the, like the morale of the team has also gone down. I know they put up a fight this past uh, on Thanksgiving against uh, the Cowboys, but again, it's just like um, I'm, like I think mentally you're in the locker room. They know that like uh, like it'll be really hard to even make the playoffs without a, a, a legitimate quarterback. And and we all know Alex Smith like he will never lose a game. Uh, but like he is not your stud quarterback. But it, I mean, like uh, uh, just going by uh, Colt McCoy's stats, I think Colt McCoy had maybe three or four turnovers, uh, which the Redskins' offense cannot afford. They cannot have turnovers and and have has have points come off of those turnovers and uh, and 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 play catch up. Their offense is not built that way. Their offense is built to have a lead uh, and uh, and 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 run the clock out uh, with 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 with, uh, with Adrian Peterson, um, which which uh, which is really hard to get with the Colt McCoy and the, and the receiving core uh, the Redskins have. Uh, so I do think the Eagles do win this week. I think again, um, this, I think the Eagles win this week in the next game. Uh, the next week, Philadelphia the Eagles versus the Cowboys game is going to be huge. Um, uh, which I think, uh, to me personally, I think at the end of the um, uh, at the end of the year, I think Philadelphia Eagles do take the division, uh, just because I think they are uh, they have they are better, better talented, and I think they have a better quarterback um, uh, with uh, uh, with Carson Wentz um, uh, um, with Carson Wentz. Uh, we, as we saw last night, Dak Prescott almost cost uh, the the Dallas Cowboys game. So I think uh, it, it will be close, but I definitely think Philadelphia Eagles do take the division. Man, that's fascinating to hear because I, I'm hoping that Jason Garrett ends up getting his 15-year contract extension <laughs> from Jerry Jones. So I'm hoping the Cowboys can t- just be good enough to end up qualifying and get knocked out in the first round of the playoffs. Mm-hmm. They're 9-7, and seven, and then Jerry Jones goes, all right, Jason Garrett, I'm signing you to this 15-year lifetime extension deal. So I'm, I'm, I just can't wait to hear Jerry Jones announce the press conference for all that to happen. So I think, be, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think, I think after last night, Jason Garrett got himself into the year. I don't think he gets fired at, at this, uh, this offseason because regardless uh, if if he makes the playoffs or not. Yep. Yep. Wow, it, that's hilarious. I, I find it hilarious. because we have we have seen this before from from the Dallas Cowboys. They oh, yeah. Uh, Jerry Jones loves Jason Garrett, and he need, he needs light of hope. And like last night was the biggest uh, light of hope that he could get. Like, oh, we stopped the Saints. Like under this coaching system, we can do anything. Uh, yeah. So I mean, I'm I'm convinced of the fact that they have some type of secret relationship, or <laughs> Jason or Jason Garrett has some type of photos on Jerry Jones and is holding it as blackmail. Because I have no idea what's ending up, what's what's going on in that situation in terms of them being okay with seven and nine, eight and eight records, and year after year. So it's fascinating to see them continue along this path with Jason Garrett. So Abu, I did want to turn to um, some of the fantasy implications of all the stuff that's been happening this week. So um, in terms of setting it up. We're going into our playoff week next week. So this is the last week of the regular season. And you're in, you're in a precarious situation right now, um, sitting in seventh and needing to win this week to make the playoffs. Yes. Uh, so if I win, I am in. It is 100%, I think. Um, well, maybe maybe 90%, I think, due to scoring of the person who's in eight. Uh, but um, if I win, I think most likely I will be in. And uh, believe it or not, I had Cream Hunt on my team, and uh, I uh, obviously being positive and my, knowing myself, I do think I win this week. Uh, but I think playoffs are going to be actually really good this year. I think uh, I think there a lot. I think the right teams did make the playoffs. Uh, the, like the first five that made it, uh, which you. Uh, 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 I'm sitting uh, pretty in second right now with yeah. a game winning streak. Yep, yep. I can say I think I honestly, um, and I don't know if uh, 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 Juice will hear this. 
I think you have a better team than uh, Janae's uh, or Juice's right now, who's sitting at number one. I think just because how things have played out, I think you have a better, well, overrounded team. You have better, uh, definitely a better receiving core. And uh, I think uh, your two solid running backs with, with the with the emergence of Aaron Jones cancels out Todd Gurley. Um, so I think playoffs will definitely be interesting. Obviously, uh, knowing myself, I, I, I do think I'll make the playoffs. Uh, I, I do think I'll beat him this week. Uh, just because of the matchups that he had, because of the matchups I have, I think I have really good matchups. Got lucky. Um, I, I think I'll be I'll be in some high scoring games, and my offense will will get a chance to put a lot of points. Uh, but we'll see. Uh, even if I don't make it, um, it will um, with the personal ranking team who I think has the best shot to win. I think you have the best shot to win uh, with uh, with uh, uh, Juice being second, and I think third being actually Omid. I think he has a really good team as well. I do think Omid has a really good team. Um, Zeke squad from last week when I was playing them, I thought they were a really solid team. And he, he I think his team has like a, the greatest amount of depth in terms of like um, him having Kevin Coleman on the bench and like him trying to decide between him and Sony Michelle. Like, I think those are like really tough decisions and really good to, like problems to have for him. So, and and also I think with uh, with with his with, with the roster that he has, even with his receiving court, I think he has uh, DeAndre Hopkins, Juice Schuster, and uh, T.Y. Hilton. Uh, so three teams that will be throwing the ball a lot. Um, uh, so that's Texans, Steelers, and uh, Colts because they're all competing for playoffs. So they will definitely will not be resting their starters or or or, or, or slowing it down for the playoffs. Um, uh, uh, so I think like I think uh, his team is also really strong. And like, his ranking teams, I think you. Uh, uh, juice and him will definitely end up winning, uh, but we'll see how it goes. Uh, you, you never know in playoffs. You never know in playoffs. Right, right. You never know. It'll be nice to have a bye, hopefully for me or for my sake, um, for next for next week in the playoffs. But I think the fairly fascinating thing is that you finally come on the podcast. So I feel like we can clear the air about Veto Gate and all the <laughs> stuff that ended up happening this year. So for those of you listeners that don't know. Um, this past year in fantasy has been a very up and down season to say the least, um, with a lot of these trade, I guess, incidents or non-trade incidents for me that ended up happening. Lamar Miller's kind of come up big for me in certain instances, especially last week. I don't need Adam Thielen at all. Um, but it, I, I think it was a really fascinating, like fascinating time in the league, being able to see all the things that ended up happening, backroom dealings. I don't know. I, I'm just throwing out, I'm lobbing <laughs> accusations right now, but I think there was a lot of fun stuff that ended up happening um, this past year in fantasy. Now let's okay. clear the now let's let's end up let's clear the air so I feel better about myself for having you on the podcast <laughs> this week. Um, so I so at this time at at this moment at this currently right now with everything that happened with Cream Hunt, I don't think that the deal worked out in my end <laughs> because I thought all I, have to, all I have to say is there karma. There's some fantasy <laughs> god out there that is looking out for all the things that ended up happening, and I just feel like he bestowed a gift upon all of us in the Fantasy League this year because of what ended up happening with Kareem Hunt, uh, taking more of a lighthearted, like, jokey uh, viewpoint of this and how, it, how it's implicated into our Fantasy uh, Football League. Yeah, and, and like, <laughs> I, I was um, – I think when I initially made the trade, I was 0-3. So I knew I had to do something. Uh, so uh, for the for the listeners, I had an extremely bad start uh, to this fantasy year, and I'm so surprised how I'm even in the race. I did not think I was going to win the, uh, win a game this year. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I and just because um, more on fantasy got, I faced Kevin twice this year, and I've lost to Kevin twice this year. Uh, so that, that does stink. Uh, but I think overall, like I said, I think uh, like the fantasy group of the guys we have, I think overall, I think it's really like fun. I think they're all really invested in the league, and obviously with this Vito Gate, uh, uh, <laughs> the, the the trades were up there, and you know some got vetoed, some didn't. You know, um, I think 
the all fair trades were made and how things uh, now uh, now are looking. Obviously, I did get the short end of the stick with your team performing amazing for the especially for the past four four weeks. Uh, I think uh, your team still has a lot of depth, uh, and you would have definitely been uh, uh, unstoppable with uh, I think Adam Thielen. But I don't think. Uh, you even need Adam Thielen uh, with uh, with with how how your receivers and how your running backs have been performing. Uh, so again, uh, like uh, like just how just how things went this year. Next year, I will not be making any trades. I will be sticking to the team I have drafted and just and just going by them. And uh, that is all I have to say on that. Yeah, and I think the fantasy gods will restore order um, with all that with you being able to. Be a little bit more even keeled and not not play favorites this year uh, for okay. next year. But I, uh, but I do have to ask you: a playoffs are uh, next week. Uh, I mean, uh, sorry, next week. Who do you think wins it all? Who do you think has the best chance? Uh, you, you can be biased if you uh, if you want. Oh, I think I mean I think Zeke Squad has probably the best well-rounded team as of now going into the playoffs, and I think I think with um, Junaid's team with um, Gurley and Mahomes, you, they're never going to be out of it. I think my worry is if with Kansas City and LA, if they would end up sitting any of those guys in week 16 um, because they clinch playoff, home field advantage, any of those types of things. If they, they end up clinching home field advantage, We've kind of seen Sean McVay in the preseason not even play Todd Gurley. So that might be a concern for him um, in week 16 if he ends up making the finals. Um, Also, I think, like you said, Zeke's squad ends up, you know, Omid's team has a good shot of of making making a run in the playoffs. And – with um I think with Billy's team, I think if he's able to have those three running backs go off and do well with Fournette hopefully coming back from uh suspension, he has Alvin Kamara, Nick Chubb, if they're all able to produce at really high uh point totals, I'd be pretty scared of that team as well. Yes. Uh, uh Billy's running backs uh with uh he he picked up Nick Chubb which was a great pickup. Uh, hasn't worked out, and with Fournette coming back into form and obviously tomorrow, I think he does have uh, probably the best running back tandem uh, available with uh, competing with uh, uh, Omid uh, with the depth he has. Uh, but I think his his uh, I think his downfall is going to be the the, the three the top three spots that he has, like the uh, the, uh, the one quarterback and two wide receivers. His wide receivers have been extremely inconsistent uh, over the past year. I think he's probably had a different pair of wide receivers starting this whole the first 12 and 13 weeks. I don't think he has started the same two wide receivers all year uh, because uh, because it's just that uh, uh, the wide receivers he's drafted ha- have not panned out. And uh, and uh, and his, his quarterback being Tom Brady, uh, Brady is, is just not throwing the ball like he did past year cause, just because they have a running game with uh, Sonny Michelle. And um, so I, I think uh, with, with Billy, like um, his team does have a lot of potential where Kamara, Chubb, and Fournette can, can all give you 20 points. Or like sixty points combined, uh, but like sixty points or more. But I think with with the teams that are left, uh, like just because these are the playoffs coming up, and like like this, there are four teams, uh, uh, at least minimum three teams that are just stacked. Yours, Omid, and and, and juices. Uh, so like it will definitely be interesting where each each counts. So I'm not saying like he'll get blown out. I just think that he might just be the close one because of his wide receiver position or, or Brady not even putting up twenty points. Yep, so I'm actually looking forward to the playoffs a lot. So I'm hoping, praying to the fantasy gods that we're able to uh, pull out a win for me and hopefully take them some money. So I'd definitely be looking forward to that. Um, oh, well, last question. Last yep. question. If I make the playoffs, do you want to face me or you don't want to face me? No, I don't feel good about facing you for whatever reason it is. <laughs> I think it's going to be – yeah, I just don't want to face you. For whatever, like, not not even saying that your team is like necessarily a great team or anything like that. It's not. But, it's not. It's like, but yeah. I'm still, for whatever reason, I'm still worried. So I I don't know if I don't want to face you at all. So. Uh.
hopefully all goes well this week for you, Abu, so that I see you in the playoffs and it'll be all good. But I'm very excited to see what ends up happening in the playoff race. Hopefully I'm able to bring home some money, uh, get some holiday shopping in with the money, and then um, really have an experience. Sorry, what's up? I said I definitely think you win uh, some money this year. I can almost, like, I would say there's an 89% chance of the team you have. You 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 definitely win some money this year. Well, I hope so, and let's not jinx it. So, (laughs) exactly. So thanks, Abu, for coming on to the podcast on such short notice. Um, it was really interesting to hear your thoughts on the Kareem Hunt um, incident and all this stuff like that. And it'll be really um, – I think it'll be interesting to see what ends up happening and monitoring that situation as the season goes forward and even into next year. So we'll keep monitoring that situation, um, see what what ends up getting released, all the other things – all the other comments that end up happening from Kareem Hunt himself. I'm sure he'll have like a sit down interview with one of the ESPN reporter type people and be on, be on, uh, be on camera and all that and explain his position and what ended up happening and transpiring within the video. So I think it's going to be really fascinating to see what happens with all of that. Um, thanks for coming on, Abu, and I will definitely look forward to taking the money this year. So see ya, um, and thanks for coming on again.